Well, good morning again. Is anybody noticing as we sing, thank you, Scott, is anybody noticing as we sing some things that we have seen in the Psalms that we've been talking about? See any language in there that you recognize? You maybe see it in a different way. I'm starting to see that, and it's exciting to me because I think it's starting to do what we've said we wanted it to do, which is change the way we see God, change the way we view God, change the way we worship God together as a family. For those of you who don't know or haven't been with us, we're continuing our series this morning entitled Marvelous God, Knowing Our Father Through the Psalms. The question that we're asking is, how do I experience what God is like in relationship with him. How do I experience what he's like in relationship with him? So we looked at the first week, Psalm 99, God is holy. But what does that mean for me in relationship to him? What does it mean that God is completely unlike anyone or anything I've ever experienced anywhere else? Psalm 29, God is sovereign, completely in control. God is in control over every circumstance of my life, every situation, everything around me. God is sovereign over that. How does that change how I relate to him? Psalm 139, God knows everything about me. God knows me intimately, better than I know myself. Not only that, God knows the deepest, darkest parts of me that I hide away from everybody, and yet still, he chooses to love me in spite of that. How does that change me to relate to a God like that? um, Psalm 90 God is eternal. God is forever. He's always. He's always been God. He will always be God. And next to God, we realize just how brief our time here is. And so we choose to live our lives for his glory with eternity in sight, with heaven in view. That's how we want to live our short lives here on earth. The beauty of a series like this one is it gives us a chance to just soak for a while in the truth of who God is and to talk to each other about what God is really like, what it means to be in relationship with God. In relationship with God. I don't want that to be lost on us as we have this conversation, as we move through this series. We're talking about God, perfect God, holy God, sovereign, eternal God who thinks about us and loves us. And I would hate to see us become unaffected by the truth of that, that we get to be in relationship with God, that we're invited into a relationship with this kind of God. That's why it's worth our time to talk about what he's like and how we experience what he's like in relationship with him. So each week, we've been looking at a different psalm. Each week, We're looking at a different characteristic of God. Eight weeks, eight psalms, eight unique characteristics of our marvelous God. The psalm we're going to look at this morning is a little bit different than the ones that we've looked at before. It's a little bit longer than the ones that we've looked at before. It's also what I would call a psalm of observation. That's not an actual category of the psalms, I don't think. There's like psalms of praise and psalms of lament. I don't think there's a category, psalms of observation. But that's really what this feels like to me because the writer of this psalm is trying to describe the power of God, and he's doing that through what he observes around him. He's looking 
around him and he's saying, God is powerful and God is mighty. And sometimes we think of God's power and might and we think of God's power and might in Scripture and we think of that as God's destructive power or God's might over his enemies. But that's not what we're talking about this morning. The psalmist David is looking around and he's saying, I see God's power to create. I see what God's power and might have created around me. I see what God's power and might provide for me. What a mighty God. That's the psalm that we're looking at this morning. And David has taken some time to look and observe and consider what a mighty God we worship. So we're going to look at that psalm this morning, Psalm 104. And before we do, I'm just going to ask if you would pray with me before we open God's Word. Heavenly Father, you are a mighty God. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would just overwhelm us with the truth of that. Would you overwhelm us with your power and might as we consider you this morning? Would you overwhelm us with your provision and your care and your creativity and your majesty? Would that just wash over us this morning? Lord, you don't hold your power over us. You use it to reveal yourself to us. So let us see you, Lord. Let us see you just a little more this morning through your word. We pray this in your name. Amen. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Psalm 104. If you're looking for the Psalms, if you crack your Bible open right about to the middle, you're going to find it. And if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, that's fine. We brought one for you. If you look around the chairs around you, you're going to find one of our Bibles, and you're welcome to use that this morning. You're welcome to take that home with you if you'd like it. We'd love for you to have a copy of God's Word, and that's there as a gift to you if you would like that. If you're using our Bible this morning, we're going to be on page 502, Psalm 104. And we're going to start this morning by reading the psalm, then we're going to walk through it as we've been doing every week. But this morning I want to do something that's a little bit different, and I'm going to just admit up front it might be a little bit distracting, um, but I hope it's distracting in all the right ways. So what we're going to do this morning is while we read through the psalm, and while I speak to you this morning about the psalm, we're just going to have some images on the screen behind me, just some pictures of what God has created. And if you want to just look at those pictures while I'm reading the psalm, or you want to just look at those pictures while I'm speaking this morning, that's totally fine. If you want to get lost in there, that's okay with me, because my hope is that we would just be overwhelmed this morning by what God has done, and what he has created, and by his majesty, and by his power. So as we read this morning and as you listen this morning, feel free to just take a look over my shoulder and see what God has created and see what he has done. And I hope it's a distraction for you in the right way and it may project right through my face. I don't know how this is going to work, but we're going to try it, okay? Read with me Psalm 104 or listen if you prefer. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. He lays the beams of his chambers on the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes his messengers winds, his ministers a flaming fire. He set the earth on its foundations so that it should never be moved. You covered it with, deep, with the deep as with a garment. 
The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, they fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. The mountains rose. The valleys sank down to the place that you appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass so that they might not again cover the earth. You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Beside them the birds of the heavens dwell. They sing among the branches. From your lofty abode you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine and bread to strengthen man's heart. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. In them the birds build their nests, the stork has her home in the fir trees, the high mountains are for the wild goats, the rocks are a refuge for the rock badgers. He made the moon to mark the seasons, the sun knows its time for setting. You make darkness and it is night when all the beasts of the forest creep about. The young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they steal away and lie down in their den. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom have you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things both small and great. There go the ships and Leviathan, which you formed to play in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works, who looks on the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Wow. This is one of the longer psalms that we've attempted, but it is loaded with imagery of a powerful creator, God. David captures for us a picture of God in all of his power. And I have to think that he spent considerable time thinking about these things because look at how much he observes. And look at the types of things that he observes in thinking about who God is. Here's the first thing that I notice when David starts the psalm. The first thing that David seems to appreciate here is the powerful presence of God in the world that God is present in the world that he created. Look with me in the first few verses or listen. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. We sang this morning, bless the Lord, O my soul. We already sang it. 
I would hope, if nothing else, when you leave today, that this refrain echoes in your ears. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my God, you are very great. He starts by praising God, and then he says, you're clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. He's painting this picture for us of how big God is, what his presence must be like in our world. Can you imagine? God is present in his own creation that God is unique from. He's different from what he created, but he's not distant from what he created. And that to describe God in our view means that God must be so big and so powerful that he lays the beams of his dwelling place on the ocean and he clothes himself with light or with majesty. I don't even know what that means. Remember, it's a psalm. It's a poem. It's not literal. This is the heart cry of David. God is distinct from his creation, but he's not distant from it. He said, Lord, you're, you're all around us. You're everywhere I look. I see the fingerprints of God present in his world. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh Lord my God, you are very great. Then he says, not only do I see your powerful presence in the world that you created, but you created it. You are the powerful creator. Verse 5 you, uh, he set the earth on its foundation so that it should never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, they fled. What fled at the rebuke of God? The water itself. God's creation listens to his commands. Listen to the powerful language that David uses. God rebukes the water and it runs away. He says, at the sound of your thunder, they took to flight the voice of God like thunder. The mountains rose because God made them rise. The valleys sank down to the place that you appointed for them. He says, God, you told them where to go and they went. You created this, this. You created it. What God created is amazing. What kind of power can create what we see around us all the time. I wish we had a screen that was like bigger than the room so we could just disappear into these things. The big ones and the small ones, it's amazing what God has created. The world that God created is not just a functional world, it's a beautiful world. It reflects its creator. It tells us something about him. I love Sherlock Holmes. And he is the great observer of literature. He really prides himself on his powers of observation. So it seemed appropriate for an observation psalm to bring him into this. And he goes into this whole thing about a rose. He goes into this whole speech about a rose because he sees it outside of a window. And he says, now that is something to think about. Let me just read you this one thing. He says, this rose is an extra Its smell and its color are an embellishment of life, not a condition of it. It is only goodness which gives extras. And so I say again that we have much to hope from the flowers. 
He gives this big speech, but he says, I take hope in the flowers because the flowers tell me of something greater and that greater thing that thought of them is a good thing because they don't have to look pretty or smell good to function, but they tell me something about the person who created it. I think about this as I look at these images. Some of you know I've spent a part of my life as an artist, and so I look at some of these pictures and I think, how would I draw that? Or how would I paint that? And then I think about God for a minute, and I think, man, that would be really hard to draw that. I think nobody handed God a picture of a tiger and said, make one of those. He just thought of it. And he didn't just create a still picture of it. He created a living, breathing thing that's way more beautiful than any painting. You can't even capture that in a drawing or in a painting or in a photograph. It's amazing that these things just came out of our creator. And then not only a tiger, but then the whole ecosystem that sustains it and what it eats and what eats it and what happens. I mean, it is mind-boggling to consider the mind of God and his creative power and his creativity and the complexity of life. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God. You are very great Your powerful presence I see all around me. You are the powerful creator of the world where I find myself. And then he says, God, you are also a powerful provider. And this carries the weight of the psalm. He tells us in three different ways how God provides. Look at verses 10 through 18. He says, you make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Verse 12, beside them the birds of the heavens dwell. They sing among the branches. From your lofty abode you water the mountains. The earth itself is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and the plants for man to cultivate. And he goes on and on and on. And then he says toward the end of that passage, verse 16 through 18, he says, The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly. In them the birds build their nests The stork has her home in the fir trees. The mountains are for the goats. The rocks are for the badgers. He's like, Lord, you thought of everything. Everyone has a place. Everyone gets water. Everyone gets food. Look at the complexity of God's creation. He said, God, you made springs that would come up and water the animals so that they can come and get a drink. And then those water the trees that the birds live in because I can hear the birds singing in the trees. You, from your high home, wherever that is, you water the mountains, and the earth itself is satisfied with what you give it. So satisfied, in fact, that it then produces grass for the livestock, and it produces plants for man to cultivate so that he can make wine and bread and oil. He says, these are all gifts from you, God. And then we create from what you have created. We take these things and we make bread or we make food or we make wine. We create like you create and in that way we image our creator just like you established it from the beginning that we would be made in your image. But everything we create, we create out of what God has given. Do you see? You give shelter to the ones you've created. You thought of a home for the goats and you thought of a home for the rock badger, whatever that is. I looked one up because I was so curious. It looks like a marmot or giant gopher or something like that. Some of them are cute. Some of them just look like big rats. 
It's like, God, you not only thought of all these things, but you thought of where to put them. And then you thought of how to sustain them. And I think of us and I think, where do we see God? Where do we observe him? The God who provides water and food and shelter. And I think on a hot day, we've had a few of those. When you take a cool drink of water, that's God. That's God. That simple satisfaction of a cold drink on a hot day, that's a God thing. When you sit down to a meal and you just say, this is the most amazing thing I've ever put in my mouth. This is delicious. That's God. That is his provision. And we create with what he has created. Praise God for those things. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Oh, Lord, my God. You are very great. God provides water and food and shelter. What else does he provide? Our powerful God provides order. He says in verse 19, he made the moon to mark the seasons, the sun to know it's time for setting. And David talks about the rhythm, the seasons, the sun and the moon and darkness and light and everything knows when it's supposed to come out and do its thing. The young lions, he says, roar for their prey. And I love this phrase, verse 21, seeking their food from God. They're not just prowling around. They're seeking their food from the hand of God. That's how David sees the world. When the sun rises, they steal away and they lie down and, down and man goes to his work. You got, God, you made day and night and seasons and rhythms for our life and a pattern for us to live by, a pattern of work and of rest So when you labor hard and you're satisfied with your work at the end of the day, that's God. He designed that. When you crawl into bed and you look forward to sleep and to rest, that's God. That's his design. And he's the one that sustains me through the night while I sleep and am unaware of everything that goes on around me. (laughs) It's the ultimate act of trust, by the way, going to sleep. When you wake up in the morning feeling rested and refreshed, That is God. That is his provision. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. Now, I know some of you are thinking, what world are you living in where you are satisfied with your work at the end of the day and you are rested and refreshed when you wake up in the morning? That is not my experience at all. I don't like my job, and I never feel rested when I wake up in the morning. Guess what? That's sin. That's sin. Not that you don't, not that you're not satisfied, it's that we broke what God created. Sin broke God's creation, and so when we don't get those good things that God intends and has provided for us, that's because we broke it. Whenever we can find those things, or we have those days, or we have that rest, and we experience God, we praise Him because that's what He intended. And when we don't experience that, we look forward to being in heaven where those things will be perfected and we won't be under our own brokenness anymore in our own broken world. So you've got yourself to thank for the hard stuff, all of us do, and we've got God to thank for the good stuff because that's what he intended for us. God provides water and food and shelter and God provides an order and a rhythm to life and God provides life itself. Verse 24 He says this in a couple different ways. O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. Here's the sea, great and wide, with teams, with creatures innumerable. David says, I look around me and I just see, God, you made 
You didn't just make the world, you made a lot of it. Look at all the stuff you made. I mean, there's stuff everywhere. All kinds of things. You didn't make like a bird. You made like a zillion of them. All different shapes and sizes and colors and some that swim and some that fly and some that can't fly. Why is that? Why make a bird that can't fly? That's weird. God, you made fish. I mean, just so David uses that example, just look at the ocean. And I have this kind of weird, like, heaven fantasy of sitting down with David and watching planet Earth and, you, and just say, like, you thought it was cool when you knew what was in the ocean, but look at all this stuff that God made you didn't even know was there. You think it's teeming with life. Look at this. I mean, consider it. I, I love this picture that he paints. He says, there go the ships out into the sea, and as they sail on the sea, they see these creatures in the ocean. He says, look at Leviathan that God formed just to play in the ocean that he made. What a cool idea. That's how David sees God as creator, creative, and he just said, I'm going to make one of these just to play in one of these things that I made. How cool is that? David says, look at everything that you've made. Look at all the life that you have created that has come from your hand. And then he says, not only does he create life, but he holds it in his hand. Verse 27, all these things that God has made, your manifold works, your numerous creations, verse 27, these all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. And when you take away their breath, they die and return to dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. David says, all that you have made, all of us look to you to provide for us. We have to, because you provide all of it. It all comes from your hand. And Lord, when you open up your hand, we get good things. And when you turn your back, We're distraught because we have nowhere else to go. God, when you take breath away, it's gone. You are the one who holds life itself in your hand. We are dependent on God, and we're designed to be dependent on God. That's the whole idea. And God is continually active in his creation. David already talked about his presence in the world, that I see you everywhere. But we see here that God is active. God is the one who takes life away, and then gives it back. He renews his creation. So when a baby is born, that's God. A litter of puppies, that's God. When you go whale watching, that's God. God, I'm looking for your fingerprints. When I go snorkeling or I go whale watching, when our kids get excited about seeing a butterfly, You're seeing God and what he created. It's all around us. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God. You are very great, powerful creator, powerful provider. David ends the psalm just like he started it. He ends it with praise. Look, verse 31 to the end. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works, who looks on the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. He says, God, may you rejoice in what you have made 
forever. Your creation responds to you. Do you see that? You just look at it and it shakes in fear of Almighty God and your power. You touch it and it responds to your touch. It is your creation. Praise God for that. And David says, I will praise God for the rest of my life. I will praise God as long as I have breath. I will praise God as long as I live because he's that great and he's that mighty. And look at what he's done. And then it ends, as we've seen a number of these psalms end, it has this weird kind of thing tacked on at the end. Verse 35, Let sinners be consumed from the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. He goes on this whole thing about who's like my God. There is nobody like this. My God is so big, so strong, so mighty. Some of you remember that song from when you were kids. There's nothing my God cannot do. That's what David's like, a child just praising God. Look at my God. He says, how can you stand in the midst of this and not acknowledge him? How can you look around you and not see the fingerprints of God everywhere? How can you continue to live in rebellion and not acknowledge the presence of my mighty God? So God, we want to praise you. We want to be people who praise you. It's really interesting that he asks that the wicked be wiped from the earth because that sounds pretty severe. Here's the thing. Here's the picture that the psalm is painting. Since the fall, since the time that Adam and Eve said, God, we're going to choose our way over your way. We've got a better plan. We've rejected you and we're moving on to our own plan. All of creation has become a battlefield Creation is a battle for the glory of God and the creation that was intended to point us to God. There are still those of us who just ignore it altogether and deny him and reject him and live for our own things. And David says, if this is a battle for your glory, then I want you to win. And I am in a fight for glory. I am in a fight for your praise as long as I have breath and do away with those who won't. Because God, you deserve all of the praise, and your enemy is trying to steal praise from you. So let all of the praise and all of the glory go to God. We worship a powerful, mighty God, creator, provider, a great God, worthy of our praise. And David writes this psalm just kind of gushing about God, and he's taken all this time to think about why God made grass and why God made rocks and why God waters the mountains and why God planted the trees and why God filled the ocean with life. And David just goes on and on and on. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, you are very great. But guess what? Sitting here now, today, you know the rest of the story. You you got the whole New Testament. You think God was good then. Let me tell you, that powerful, mighty, strong God became weak, became like us to rescue us 
Philippians chapter 2 says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Talking about Jesus. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Mighty, powerful God became like us, and that wasn't enough. He had to become like the worst of us, crucified on a cross for you and for me. God said, I'm God, I'm creator, I'm provider. I am mighty, powerful God who did all of this. I spoke it into existence, and it obeys my commands. And I love you enough to set it aside, to become rescuer, to become like you because I love you. And here's the picture. That mighty God who created the earth with his hand, who provides out of his hand, has a scar on his hand because he loves you and died for you. How amazing is that? Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God. You are very great. What a marvelous God. Don't you think? What a marvelous God we worship here. How do we respond to that? What do we do with that? I've got some ideas. We worship a God like that. We praise a God like that. David says, as long as I'm breathing, I'm fighting for your glory, Lord. I am going to praise you till I press on. And then I'm with you. That's even better. We praise God. You've got some room on that connection card. Praise God. Write something down. You don't have time right now or you can't think of something right now. Spend some time this week and look and consider and observe the world around you and find something and identify something and say, God, that's you. What does that tell me about you? That cloud looks like a gorilla. That happened to our family once. That's weird. That cloud looks like a gorilla. Why did God do things like that? Why did you make clouds, God? Why did you make gorillas for that? I mean, it's amazing. You can't exhaust it. Look around you and consider and observe. Some of you have been doing that online and you've been sharing with us. Here's a picture. Here's a thought. Here's a scripture. Here's a drawing. There's a whole class of, I don't know what grade, fourth graders, fifth graders? Whole class of fifth graders. Their door is wallpapered with drawings of marvelous God. One of our teachers had their class do that. Posted the picture on Facebook. Marvelous God that we worship. Praise God, worship him. When you see something beautiful that God has made, that's God. When you taste something beautiful, something amazing, like, wow, that's good. That's God. When you remember that he sent his son to die in your place, that's God. Powerful, mighty God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, you are very great. We're going to spend some time now singing a song of praise to God. I'm going to invite the worship team up to lead us in this song. Let's praise God. Let's worship God together.